You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul highlights several key features, not only of the Book of Numbers, but also of the Pentateuch. Most notably, he points out that in all five books, God is never referred to as the King of Israel. This fact, he explains, is the main bone of contention in the confrontation between the people and God the Lord in 1 Samuel. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Okay, last time I discussed that the census is referred to twice, at the beginning and again at the end. And I explained how it is anti-kingly. Now, in the book of Numbers, we have a couple of other main features that enhance this anti-kingly stance of the Pentateuch. And that is very important because de facto... God himself is never referred to as king of Israel in all these five books. And yet, at the beginning of 1 Samuel in chapter 8, that is the topic of the showdown between God the Lord and the people who wanted a king like the other nations. These other features of the book of Numbers are the order of the march. Well, the book of Numbers, we all know, it covers the trek from Mount Sinai to Mount Kadesh and then Mount Nebo, of which we hear in Deuteronomy. In Kadesh, the law is issued again for the new generation. So we have the order of the march, the order of the different tribes, and more importantly, the special place granted the tribe of Levi. I'm going to be quoting texts so that we can hear them. Otherwise, I'll be making my comments in the void. So let's hear the texts. In Numbers chapter 8, I shall read them very quickly, just write down the reference. Numbers chapter 8, verses 9 through 19. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every man at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. 
Moses said to the Lord, Why hast thou dealt ill with thy servant? And why have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou dost lay the burden of all these people upon me? And he summons him to order the people to proceed through the wilderness. Now, the order of the march is Numbers 10, verses 11 through 17. In the second year, in the second month, on the twentieth day of the month, the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran, which is in the east. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. The standard of the camp of the men of Judah set out first. We notice that, that Judah is given priority because from that tribe will come King David. And over their host was Nahshon, the son of Aminadab. And over the host of the tribe of the men of Issachar was Nathanel, the son of Suar. And over the host of the tribe of the men of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helen. But then we hear, And when the tabernacle was taken down, the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari, or Merari, who carried the tabernacle, set out. Now, these two names, earlier in chapter 4, are two of the three names that are issued from Levi. Let's hear it, verses 24 through 28 of chapter 4. This is the service of the families of the Gershonites in serving and bearing burdens. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting with its covering and the covering of God's skin that is on top of it and the screen for the door of the tent of the meeting and the hangings and so on and so forth. And at the end we hear this is the service of the families of the sons of the Gershonites in the tent of the meeting and their work is to be under the oversight of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. Now, this is very important, because these two sons, the same thing is repeated regarding Merari or Merari, are linked to the tent of meeting, and keep this in mind, because later I'm going to quote a passage from Deuteronomy where the Levites are carrying the Ark of the Covenant 
which parallels the tent of testimony. And the king will be asked to make a copy of the Torah which is in the ark that is carried by the Levites. And this text is in Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20. When you come to the land which the Lord your God gives you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are round about me. You see how this passage presages the showdown in 1 Samuel between God and the people. We have exactly the same wording. And the text proceeds, You may indeed set a king over you, him whom the Lord your God will choose, which is precisely the setting of 1 Samuel. So as a footnote here, notice how there is a link between Numbers and Deuteronomy and then beyond Joshua and Judges we have 1 Samuel. And that is very important to remember as I keep saying. One has to know the entirety of the Bible and not bits and pieces. So you may indeed set a king over you, him whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But notice the condition here. Only he must not multiply horses for himself. Immediately comes to mind Solomon. Or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to multiply horses. Again, one of the wives of Solomon is the daughter of Pharaoh. And you know, in those times and even in our times, marriages of people of kingling blood are usually to make an alliance between two countries. So only he must not multiply horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to multiply horses. And returning to Egypt is obviously metaphorical, meaning you were in exile there for 430 years. So the punishment can be in a different place, which is Babylon later. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again, which is the way of exile. And he shall not multiply wise for himself, again Solomon. It's so clear if you know your Bible. Lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply for himself silver and gold, and you know the story of Solomon. Now comes the text I'm interested in. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, Mishneh HaTorah, which appears as Deuteronomy in Greek and Latin. 
But this copy is a copy from that which is in the charge of the Levitical priests. Again, read it for yourself and write it down. It's 1718 in the book of Deuteronomy. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law from that which is in the charge of the Levitical priests. Notice the additional Levitical before priests. And that is extremely important to remember. The king is not addressed directly by the deity as we hear in the traditional way of God dealing with kingship but it is through the law that was issued way back through Moses and the king will not be privy to that law. Remember in the iconography of the deity and the king we have the deity handing the law to the king but this is not what happens in the Bible and that is extremely important meaning that the king is no reference and that is going to be the downside of Saul, David, Solomon and all the kings of Israel and Judah The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.